That's good stuff, amen? Well, it's great to be here uh, with you, and I'm looking forward to uh, what the Lord has for us uh, this week, and been praying, and matter of fact, uh, pray for me, I think, in light of the events of Sri Lanka, I'm potentially in the morning going to write something for the, for the message tomorrow night, the Lord's been stirring uh, me up about, and uh, so I hope to bring that. What I would say tonight about Sri Lanka, uh, just to give a couple thoughts, I've had a lot of folks just texting me, calling me, asking me a lot of questions about uh, the circumstances there. Here's how I would summarize what's going on there uh, right at this particular point. Uh, imagine a country um, that for decades was under constant, a constant barrage of violence and death and destruction uh, through a civil war that took place going from 1983 to 2009. Um, actually, the LTTE Tamil Tigers uh, that were at war with the government are the ones who actually invented suicide bombing and taught that to Al-Qaeda uh, and to other groups. And so the civil war ends in 2009, and next May, the country was getting ready to celebrate uh, 10 years of peace. And then, this last Easter, eight bombs go off. Over 300 people are dead. They found several other bombs. They found a pipe bomb at the airport. Uh, they found uh, another bomb at another uh, hotel. And uh, there's still some other people at large. And it was, like, it was like all of the undercurrent of pain and fear and anger that was beginning to you know, relax itself. All of that is now back to the surface, and you have a country completely engulfed in fear and anger. And fear and anger are a very dangerous, uh, dangerous thing because a lot of things happen uh, during, during that time. A couple things just to make mention of. You saw in the video uh, that there is a Pakistani church there. Uh, Brother Unruh is a mission, missionary I'll be working alongside when I get there. He's pastoring a Sinhalese, uh, uh, English-speaking church in Sri Lanka, Colombo. And at that same location, there's a Pakistani church of over 150 Pakistani refugees. Well, it's alleged that there were some Pakistani refugees that were involved in this bombing. And so as a result, uh, many of the Pakistani families in the church have been attacked. Many of the families have had to be put in safe houses um, by the police. And as a result, now... Brother Unruh has to try to find a building for the Pakistanis to meet, separate place, separate time. And who's going to want to rent their facility to Pakistanis after eight bombs just went off? Are you with me? And so, so you've, got, you've got that going on. Then you have um, people who are afraid to visit church. Buddhists, Hindus, even nominal church members are now fearful to attend services uh, because of what could happen. Also, uh, when you distribute tracts in Sri Lanka, it's, it's often viewed as militant. It's often viewed as giving propaganda. And so there is concern that, that some of the Buddhists that are against Christianity are going to use this to try to, snip, to snuff out tract distribution, which is one of the biggest ways that people get saved uh, in the country of Sri Lanka. Uh, and then also the government has been wanting to pass some legislation on defining what is a church and where can a church meet? And when a church, when a people are in shock, legislation can pump out really fast. Uh, and so essentially what it's done right now is it's kind of putting a work that God is doing on halt. 
And there's a lot of different things that can happen. Another thing that it's uncovered uh, is for the past few decades, there's been a rising influx of Islam in the country of Sri Lanka. On the eastern province of Sri Lanka, uh, they've discovered actually that there is a militant group there that um, the leader of it was actually trained by ISIS and they had been practicing Sharia law even on that eastern part uh, of Sri Lanka. And so there's, they, they are somewhere around 150 members uh, just in that militant group alone. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the country right now. Uh, be, be praying for Brother Ranieri. Be praying uh, for the works there. The Nash, there's nine national works. And all of this stuff impacts. Uh, you know, a Hindu is going to think twice now about visiting a church. And a Buddhist is going to think twice now uh, about visiting a church. And some people have asked me, has this impacted you and your family's desire to get to Sri Lanka? Yes, it's made us want to get there sooner. And uh, it's very hard to sit uh, and to travel and drive around and to see images on the New York Post, <clears throat> see images of the people and to know what's going on and to just be here. And I know it's the will of God that I'm here, uh, but I, I'm hoping that the will of God gets me there uh, sooner uh, because we want to be there and want to be a part of the effort to reach the people. We're going to talk a lot about that uh, tomorrow night uh, and throughout the meeting. We'll try to preach a little bit about Sri Lanka and bring, try to bring that country uh, to you. But tonight what I want to do is kind of give an introductory message into the meeting. And uh, I think when you come into a missions conference, the goal uh, of a missionary or the goal of a guest preacher should not be to condemn the church for missions, but to challenge it. And I hope every one of us came in here uh, tonight desiring to be challenged, uh, desiring for the Holy Spirit to push us to do more, because there's a lot more that needs to be done uh, in a world of 7 billion people. And so I want to give us just kind of an opening challenge to kind of set the tone uh, for where we'll be uh, over the next few nights. I also want to just thank the church, thank Pastor for the lovely accommodations, beautiful uh, hotel, really appreciate that, and uh, honored to be here with you. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, and if you're able to stand, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 12. The Apostle Paul says this, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things, notice, without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, 
but whom the Lord commendeth. I want to preach on this subject tonight. Our measure. Our measure. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. I pray that you would help us, Lord, as your people, to evaluate our measure. To consider what you would have for our life. I pray you'd help me, Lord, tonight to just preach like I'm at home. Give me comfort, give me ease. And Lord, give me boldness, I pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. you may be seated. In, in verses 13 and 14, uh, there is some repetition in those verses as the Apostle Paul continually refers to, he says it this way, his measure. Or he would say our measure, but he's referring to himself. Over and over again, he speaks about his measure. Now, we know what a measure is, but, but the definition of the word measure is simply this. It is the whole extent or dimensions of a thing, including length, breadth, and thickness. When we talk about a measure, we're talking about the size or the totality or the extent of it, the measure of it, the length, the breadth, the thickness, the extent, the totality of a thing is the measure of it. And the Apostle Paul keeps referring to this measure that he has, uh, this, this area of his life that he's measuring, this area of his life that he's, he's looking over and evaluating the totality, evaluating the extent, e evaluating the reach of it. And, 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 and Paul's life, as in anyone's life, there are many things that he could have been measuring. He could have been measuring his financial place. He, he could have measured the amount of money that he had reserved. He could have been measuring his academic achievements or perhaps uh, his climbing up uh, the work ladder. I mean, he could have been measuring a lot of things, but, but there was a specific measurement that was on his heart. There was a specific measurement that he lived by, and, and verse 14 kind of keys us in on it. He says, "...for we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure." As though we reach not unto you, for, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Let me say it this way. The Apostle Paul, as he was looking at the measure or the extent of something, he was measuring out his personal investment in the work of the gospel of Christ. As the Apostle Paul was looking at his life, he was looking over the years that he had lived... He was looking back and he was evaluating the totality of his personal investment in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I want to say this tonight. All of us have a measure. All of us have a measure. What do you mean? Okay, well, when, when you and I get saved and we call upon Jesus Christ and we get baptized... Here's, here's if, you, if you're a follower of Christ, if you read the New Testament at all, I mean, if a person is sincerely trying to know what the Lord has for him, it doesn't take a long time to figure out that we are saved to work. That we are saved to, to get involved with the work of Jesus Christ. And so we say, well, okay, well, I want to get involved in the work of Jesus Christ. Well, where is Jesus' work? Well, you go to the book of Revelation and you find Jesus Christ in the midst of churches. And the churches are where he is working. He is working in every church. 
and through every church, Jesus Christ carries out his work. What is his work? Well, we know Matthew 28, to see all people saved, baptized, added unto the church, and serving and living for the Lord. That is, that is the work of Christ, and that is our work tonight. If you are a believer, if you have called upon Jesus Christ, you have been called by Jesus to get attached to a local church, to work with that local church in the effort of seeing people get saved, baptized, added to the church, and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so just use your imagination. So here I am, I get saved. I get baptized. Now I'm a member of Fellowship Baptist Church. I don't know anything, I don't have a lot of background, but I know that I'm supposed to be a part of the work, and so I look at the church and I'm saying, man, this church is engaged in the work. They, they have worship services where they're trying to bring lost people in, and, and all around that are ministries like the nursery and parking lot and greeters and ushers and, and kindergarten classes and youth ministry. And so, and so I try to find out where can I help and I find maybe the refreshments or maybe, you know, I'm a brand new Christian and maybe I can be a helper in the nursery or start getting involved uh, as a greeter in some capacity. So I start signing up and investing myself in this church to help it in its outreach. Then as I continue to come, Maybe I get involved in the outreach program and putting door hangers on doors and beginning to learn how to witness and, and bring people to special events and bring people to an Easter service or bring people to a friend day or whatever it is. And so I'm involved in the church, investing myself in the work of the church to see people saved, baptized, and added. But then as I'm a member of the church, I find out, man, they're not just trying to do the work in liberal they're trying to do the work in Scottsdale. And they're trying to, to do the work in New Zealand. And they're trying to do the work all over the world through faith promise missions. And so now I'm going to invest myself in the local church. And I'm going to give money to help the work of missionaries go out and start churches and plant churches. And maybe even God might call me to be a missionary or to marry a missionary. And so I'm giving my life through the local church to the work of the gospel. Okay, now here's, here's your measure. Your measure is your personal involvement through the local church towards seeing the work of Christ accomplished. And every one of us have one. Every one of us tonight have a measure. We, we can look at our life and we can look at what ministries are we involved in, are we tithing? Are we giving the faith promise? Are we, are we signing up to participate if there's an event? Are we singing in the choir or whatever it is? All of us have a certain amount of time, energy, talent, and investment that we are pouring into the local church, through the local church, for the work of Jesus Christ. Now, no, notice something the Apostle Paul says in verse 14. He says this, for we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to the church of Corinth. And here's what he's reminding them. That the church of Corinth was part of his, Paul's, measure. What do you mean? 
Well, you go to Acts chapter 18, and the Apostle Paul goes to the city of Corinth. And guess what wasn't there? The gospel. There were no churches. There was no work of Christ taking place in the city. And so the Apostle Paul goes there, and he goes into the synagogue, and he preaches the gospel on Saturday, and, and they don't really respond well. But he comes back and he does it again, and they don't really respond well. And he does it over and over again until finally the hostility is so great, he moves next door to Justice's house and begins to hold church services in his house. The ruler of the synagogue gets saved, and suddenly... Probably thousands of Corinthians start calling upon Jesus, both Jew and Gentile, and he's there over a year. And when it's all said and done, and Paul's packing his bags, and he's leaving Corinth to go somewhere else, there's a church with a pastor and a people meeting in Corinth. Do you know what Paul could say? Paul could say, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not talking as though I didn't have an investment in you. He says, I came to you preaching the gospel. In other words, Paul could say, Paul could say, look, on my measure, no, no, not that he built the church, but he invested and used his time and his energy and the giftedness that God gave him to help see the church of Corinth established. So, so, so get this in your mind. The church of Corinth was a part of the apostle Paul's measure. Okay, but now, now notice what he, he keeps emphasizing something in these verses, and, and it's, it, the, the language is weird, but I think we can gather it. Look what he says in verse 13. He says, but we will not, notice the word, boast of things without our measure. Look at verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure. Verse 16. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. You know, when you read the Apostle Paul and you find things that he's not doing and he says them this many times, you know why he's usually saying that? Because there's somebody who usually is doing them. You see, in the church of Corinth, there were people boasting, bragging, talking big. What, what, what do you mean? Well, if you read the letter of 2 Corinthians, here's what you find out. Some false teachers, after Paul leaves, some false teachers come into the church and they had what's called letters of commendation, a resume. Letters of people uh, saying, hey, they're amazing. They're great teachers. You ought to let them teach in your church. And so the church welcomes them in and these leaders get in and they start teaching and they start having influence. Now you got to remember, the church of Corinth, one, is a very large church. Two, it's a very wealthy church. So you know what the leaders began to say? Look at our measure. Man, we're leading the church of Corinth. Yeah, that big church in Corinth with all of them believers. And, and, and I don't know if they talked about offerings back then, but I'd imagine they're flesh just like we are. You know what kind of offerings we get in Corinth? You know what they were walking around doing? They were talking about how awesome their measure was of the city of Corinth. But as Paul kept talking about boasting, he also kept saying something else. Look what he says again in verse 13. But we will not boast of things without, that means outside, without our measure. Verse 14. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. Verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, Paul's saying this. That the leaders tried to grab Paul's tape measure 
and say, look at our measure, look what we've done. And they look good to all their brethren. They look good to all the leaders spread throughout other churches. And everybody's thinking about how awesome they are because they're leading this massive church in Corinth. We you know what Paul said? Paul said this, that's not your measure. You're boasting in something beyond or outside or without. In other words, they are boasting in something that they can't count to their measure. Why not? Here's why. Because they didn't personally invest in it themselves. You know what they did? They just picked up the measuring tape and said, Woo, look what we've done. But they hadn't invested in it. They had been boasting in something. Now listen to this. They had been boasting in something they hadn't personally invested in. And Paul said, that's not your measure. Okay, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, just because I've pastored 11 years, and I, you know, every church is a little different, but the human nature is the same. So I can picture myself, I just, I'm pretending that here I am, I'm a member of a Fellowship Baptist Church, and I'm looking around, I'm saying, there's a lot of stuff here. There's been a significant measure achieved in this town. God has done something pretty amazing in this town. There's souls that have been saved through this ministry. There's souls that have been baptized through this ministry. I didn't ask specifics, but I think you just had a really good Easter service this past Sunday. By the way, praise the Lord for many of you that were singing tonight and serving tonight, coming post-Easter and still giving your best. I thank the Lord for your commitment to the Lord to be invested this week right after Easter. There's things going on. I mean, and then, look, I'm being supported by uh, Brother Alfred King's church, and I'm being supported uh, by Northway Baptist Church, and I was just at those churches, and God's doing an amazing work there. So you come, and you say, man, we got Scottsdale, and we got Aura Valley, and, and, and then I saw your booklet, you've got a lot of missionaries that you support. And you know what, it would be very easy for someone to do, to come and join, or be a part of Fellowship Baptist Church, and say, man, look at our church. I mean, man, we plant churches, and we're going to the West. We're going to Arizona and plant churches, and, and we've got something going to New Zealand, and we're supporting missionaries. Man, have you seen that building? This is Pancake Boulevard, right? Have you seen that building? Yeah, that's our building. You should come here. You should come to, uh, you should come, what's the 4th of July thing called? Yeah, you should come to Liberty. That thing's awesome. Woo! I think there's a lot of people that talk about liberty, but listen to me. But you know, amongst those people, there are people who aren't personally investing. There are people who, on a big day, big friend day, big Easter, didn't invite anybody. Now, this isn't accusatory. This is just the way it is. Didn't serve in the nursery. Didn't help. Don't tithe. Don't give to faith promise. But woo, Fellowship! Now, but look, you know what the Apostle Paul would say? If we're boasting of things we haven't invested in, it doesn't count to our measure. Did you hear what I said tonight? Man, it's great. Man, I'm telling you, it, it, I mean, I, it would be awesome to be a member of this church to see all that the Holy Spirit's doing here and the Word of God is doing here and to know the future is bright here. And that's all fantastic and that's all great. But if I'm not personally invested, it doesn't count to my measure. 
And the Apostle Paul said, man, there's leaders, and they're walking around, and they're talking about how awesome their measure is, and all the stuff that their church is accomplishing. But here's the reality. They are not investing themselves. Therefore, it doesn't count to their measure. You know, it's a, it would... It's a devastating thought for me to think that someone could be 30 years in this church and see everything that's going on and yet not be able to get a piece of that because they didn't personally invest in it. And by the way, I also know that that probably can be frustrating for some of God's people that are giving and you're sacrificing and, and you're at soul winning and you're at prayer meeting and you're, you are cooking and you are cleaning. And sometimes, look, the human nature is we're not supposed to look around, but the human nature is we do. And sometimes it can be frustrating because we feel like we're working and working and then we hear other people boasting in a mo measure and we want to come rip the tape measure out of their hands and say, you didn't help with that. Come on. And some people say, well, what difference does it make then if I serve? What difference does it make then to the, to, between the person who's boasting and the person who's actually serving? Well, well look, here, here's the difference that it makes. Verse 18. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Okay, that statement implies two things. First of all, it implies that God knows every person's measure. God knows... Who is investing what? God knows who he has gifted. God knows the opportunities that he has given. And God knows who is really doing what in every church across this planet. And not only does he know, but the idea of commend speaks of this, to approve, which speaks of this, evaluate. God not only knows our measure, but listen to me tonight, he will evaluate your measure. When you and I stand before the Lord, he's not going to measure your 401k. He's not going to measure how many baskets your son scored in high school. He's not going to measure how many positions you've had in different places. You know what he's going to measure? Here's what he's going to measure. Praise God, he's not going to measure your sin. Praise God. But here's what he is going to measure. He's going to measure your personal investment through the local church in his work. And on that day, your commendation, your comments, my approval will mean nothing. All that will matter is what the Lord has to say about it. Now, now with saying that, there's something that we've got to keep in mind because this could lead, this could lead to problems. So look at verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now here's the mistake that we can make. We can look at our measure in comparison to another person's. So you could come to a church and you could see someone who's amazingly talented. I mean, they can sing and they can teach and they, they have all of these amazing gifts that God has given them. And you look at yourself and maybe you're more of a behind the scenes person. You're more introverted. You don't have the ability to talk. I mean, you get in front of a crowd and you're about to go into a coma. And so you look at someone else and you're like, oh man, I'm worthless. I can't do anything. But you're not supposed to measure yourself to another person. 
On the other end, you could be someone with a lot of giftedness and a lot of talents, and you could be looking at others who aren't as invested or other people, and so you might be sliding. You might not be giving as much as you could because you're comparing yourself to others, and so you feel good. But that's not how the Lord works. The Lord doesn't grade on a curve. God's not going to look at you in comparison with another. Here's what God's going to do. He's going to take the gifts that he's given you, the opportunities that he's given you, the church that he has put you in, and he is going to fairly and rightly and accurately measure out what you did with what he gave you. And so so people who have physical afflictions or people who are gifted in different ways, God's not going to try to compare and measure, but he is going to look at you and he is going to say, what did you do with what I gave you in the church? Are you with me tonight? Well, that's good to know because I'm super busy. I hope you're not the super busy that I think of, of 70% of Americans. I don't know, it was like a couple months ago, I was going to the Southwest Baptist Missions Conference in Oklahoma City. It's like the gauntlet, meeting morning, afternoon, evening, and so I wanted to get a run in because I knew I was going to be eating like all day long, and so I went to the Y at like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night to just get a seven-mile run in just to give some room. You know what was amazing? There were people everywhere. There were parents with children, karate, workout stuff, and all kinds of programs. Now, now can I just, listen, I'm not against karate or programs, but if the reason why you can't invest in the church is because of that kind of busy, that's not going to bode well at the judgment seat of Christ. Culturally created busyness will not jive at the judgment seat. Did you hear what I said tonight? So we will stand before the Lord. And he will adequately judge our measure according to the giftedness and the opportunities in the church that he's placed us in. Which leads to this question, okay, so we all have a measure. Our measure is the amount of investment through the local church into the work of the gospel locally and globally in faith promise missions and, and, and sending missionaries and maybe being a missionary. So, and it's going to be evaluated. So what do I need to do with that? Well, a couple things. Look at verse 13. Paul says this. But we will not boast of things without our measure. Verse 14. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. I love the way he says it in verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors. You know what Paul just said? Paul said this. I will not live my life being satisfied sitting under the shadow of everyone else's labors. He said, understanding that I have a measure, understanding that I will stand before the Lord, I will not be content, I will not be comfortable, I will not be okay parking or hiding or boasting under the labor and investment of others, but I myself must have a labor. I want to say this, I love my generation, and I love the generation coming up. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of good things about them, but one of my concerns for my generation and the younger generation is this, there is a great ease in allowing other people to do all the work in the older generation, and they just enjoy and coast. Listen, the Apostle Paul said, I am not satisfied living under the shadow of other men's labors, and neither should we. You can't take anyone else's tape measure to the judgment seat. So then what should I do? Okay, verse 15. 
not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors. Now look what he says here. This is crazy to me. But having hope, now he's talking to the church, Corinth. When, you, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Okay. So Paul has Corinth on his measuring tape. Now I'll be honest. I feel like that's a fairly significant thing to have on his tape. Not very many people could say, yeah, went to a city, there was no gospel, there was no message. Literally the first person to bring the message of Christ to that city, preached, established a church that was used uh, during the early years of the New Testament time. I, and I oversaw it and helped establish a pastor and then as an apostle helped kind of get them strong and on their feet. Are you hearing me? But here's what Paul says. This is crazy. Paul says, you know what my hope is for you? My hope is that your faith will be enlarged. Okay, you read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and here's what you find out. They were high maintenance. You know what I mean? They had all kinds of issues. I love when people say, we got to go back to the, to the New Testament. Our churches are so messed up. They haven't read the same New Testament I read. Because, listen, I've never had some of the stuff in the church of Corinth go down in the church I pastored, ever. I just lost my train of thought. I started thinking. Oh, yeah. So, so, so he, he's talking to the church of Corinth, and, 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 and they've been high maintenance. And here's what he's saying. I'm hoping that you will get to the place in your faith that you will be enlarged to where I no longer have to spend so much time and energy with you, but now I can go to the regions beyond you and preach in other places. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Paul had quite a bit on his measure, but here's what he said. As long as I have breath, I want to increase it. I know I've planted the church of Corinth, so hurry up and get established so that I can go further because I have more that I want to do for the cause of Christ. Do you know every one of us have been given a measure of God? And none of us have arrived. And if the Apostle Paul was never satisfied with his measure, neither should any of us. But we should always be seeking to increase our measure. Do you know what I love about Missions Conference? Here's what Missions Conference really is. It's a time to measure our measure. What do you mean? Okay. It's a time to measure our measure. To ask two questions. Question one. What is my measure? What do you mean? What am I doing right now through this local church for the gospel work locally and globally? Not what have I, not what have I promised to do, not what, I, not what do I dare dream of doing, what am I doing now? And then that leads to the second question, which is this. Not if, because we already know from Paul's example, if isn't on the ballot, how should I increase my measure? That's really what a missions conference is all about. 
an evaluation of your measure and your investment through this local church for the cause of Christ locally and globally, an, an honest evaluation in light of the great need of over 7 billion souls, an honest evaluation of where am I, and then an honest, sincere question to the Lord, how would you have me increase? For the last five and a half years, I pastored the West Valley Baptist Church in Nampa, Idaho, right outside of Boise, and I had the time of my life. I watched this church go from small number to watching it grow and develop, and uh, we were unified, there was love, there was joy. As far as I knew, at least they didn't tell me, pretty much everybody liked me. It was a kind of place on a Sunday morning, we're putting chairs on the sides of the platform and all around. I mean, anywhere I could put a chair, people would be sitting in the chairs. I mean, God is moving and great things are happening. And as I'm pastoring, the Holy Spirit, I was reading a book and the Holy Spirit said to me this, impressed this upon me. David, you, you are investing a lot in Nampa. I mean, you're focused but you have neglected the world. Now we gave, we had faith promise, and I gave to faith promise, but I was, the, the nature of the church at the beginning, I was just in, in, in getting it going and, and organizing and getting a savings account and, you know, getting paperwork and all that stuff done. But the problem was, once we got going, I never pulled out. And I was like this. And the Lord showed me that my measure wasn't right in regard to missions. And so I planned a missions trip with my wife. It's a long story. I Probably in one of my messages I'll get into some of that. But we tried to go to Chile. We tried to go to Fiji. Instead, the Lord, through a series of events, got us on a missions trip to Sri Lanka. The same country that I surrendered to go to my junior year of Bible college. I emailed Brother Unruh, let him know I'm coming on a missions trip not to be a missionary. Made that very clear. You know why I came? I came because I wanted to see how God would increase my measure for missions and to give me a burden for missions. But I wasn't prepared for what the Lord showed me and what he would do. It started before I ever even got to Sri Lanka. I was at the Singapore airport. It's a major international hub. And so you have people of all countries and all, of all people groups there at Singapore. And, and, I, and I remember standing there kind of in a central part of the airport and watching as the different gates represent going to different parts of the world. And so you had a whole slew of people going to the Middle East uh, and their Middle East garb and, and they're making their way down that gate. And then you had the, eight, you had the group of people and they're going uh, to Asia. You know, they're going to Korea and they're going to Japan and they're going to China uh, and they're going down their gate. And then I see people heading to Africa uh, and, and then there's people that are going to India and Sri Lanka. And I'm looking around and I am seeing thousands of people representing billions of people. And here was the thing that really, really hit me. How many of these people have any clue what the gospel even is? And I stood in an airport realizing that probably 98% of the people that I'm standing near have no clue about the gospel of Jesus Christ and probably most of them will never know. And God began to burden me. And then we get to Sri Lanka, a country of 22 million people, and we're driving through city to city to city, 
villages of 100,000, 200,000. You know what I'm saying? How many churches? Not independent King James. I mean, how many, not how many conservative, how many churches are here? Whereas there ain't nobody here. There was a Baptist Union guy. Baptist Union in Sri Lanka mixed Buddhism with, uh, with the gospel. And we, he, Brother Andrew said, we, we led that guy to the Lord, but then as soon as we led him to the Lord, the Baptist Union got out of there and replaced him with another guy. And you know what God began to show me? That we're not even making a dent on this planet for the gospel. And when I came back, the Lord said, Here's how, because we don't determine how we're going to increase our measure. The Lord said, here, David, here's how you're going to increase your measure. You're not just going to give to missions. You're not just going to take a yearly missions trip. You're going to go. And you're going to be a missionary to the country of Sri Lanka. All of us in here tonight have a measure. And as we come into this missions conference, as we are reminded of the millions and billions of people across the world and through America that need the gospel, the questions must be asked, Lord, what is my measure? Secondly, Lord, how would you have me increase my measure? May God help us. May God help us to increase our measure as the Spirit of God leads. Let's pray. Father, I